are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? My name is Matt Pollard, and you are listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio monthly, basically, at this point. It is Thursday, October 12th, 2023. Uh, We are brought to you by Athletic Greens, Icarus FC, and Roughneck Scarves, and we are part of Last Word on Sports Incorporated and Last Word on Sports Radio. Uh, got a great show for you here tonight, catching up on a bunch of MLS things, uh, talking playoffs, talking some big picture stuff, and then touching base with the U.S. men's national team as there's friendlies to be had and things to sort through with that. But first of all, let me reintroduce my co-host. Uh, we got the band back together. First of all, Daniel Sperry. I feel like it's been a quarter since we've seen you. Um, it's been a while. How's life, Dan? Life's good. Life's crazy, feels like. Um, guy in the middle of... End of season, the Kansas City Current. Of course, my beat is uh, for the Kansas City Star, strictly covering the current and sporting and some various other soccer-related things around KC. And um, Current have their final game this weekend. They are completely eliminated from playoff contention, and yet their offseason in the next following weeks is going to be just as crazy as playoffs with um, all the potential coaching staff moves that they've got. Uh, sporting, of course, you know, if you're listening to the pod, you know sporting is kind of close. Um, to playoffs at this point going into decision day and all in the middle of that we're trying to move so i am like this is at the point where with kids you're thinking about school districts and trying to move within a certain school district so she can be at a certain school um and follow that path line so that is where we are at right now it's crazy i feel a lot older than 29 saying all of those things but um believe it or not i haven't even turned 30 yet and that's what i'm thinking about right now Ouch, Dan. Thanks for that. Uh, Dan, okay, possibly. How old is Wesley? Did I miss something? Wesley will be four. In, uh, yes, Wesley will be no. four. She'll be four, man. Oh it's crazy. So she's going to be four at the end of the month. Um, she's already done soccer um, through Sporting Legends program. I'm sure you can go see it on my Twitter. Um, it's way down in there now at this point because I tweet way too freaking much. But um there's uh she she had her first soccer classes which is it was glorified practice she thinks it's a game she has adorable little shoes that are in the colors of the Kansas City current and she constantly like so she'll dribble and she is not afraid to like run and kick the ball but when the ball gets too far away from her she goes over and stops and picks it up and sets it back in front of her feet and keeps going and so i do have a shot of her running around with the ball in her arms like cradling it and it's really funny i put it side by side with one of my shots that made the newspaper as a goalkeeper in high school so um a whole lot of a whole lot of similar i guess she's gonna be a goalkeeper uh, it's only fitting he's the keeper daniel um and then uh, of course uh rachel krigger um rachel how are you and how how about them hounds oh my gosh i was so happy um uh, catching up to you guys on age. My birthday was last week. I'm 27 now. So I told my boyfriend, um, married before 30. That's his role. And and the running joke is that I'm going to get married when I'm 29 years old and 364 days. <laughs> so that's probably how that's going to work out. Um, 
but yeah, oh my gosh, the Hounds, uh, they won, I think it's called the Player's Shield, not the Supporter's Shield, and I will be, oh, I'll be crying happy tears during my last words, but that was really cool, just, um, oh my gosh, like soccer in Pittsburgh right now is crazy, um, our, our collegiate teams, Pitt Women's Soccer, um, I've done broadcasting with them for a couple years now, um, and boys, I gotta tell you, I felt very vindicated, because leading up to uh the Pitt and Wake Forest broadcast, I was like, I just don't believe in Wake Forest. I just don't believe in Wake Forest. They they basically won against who they should and lost against who they should. Basically the opposite of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and so I had actually Wake Forest parents in my DMs telling me I was being mean to their collegiate age children. And I was like, Okay, if you guys beat Pitt, then maybe I'll change my tune. Well, the Panthers won four to one, and I felt so vindicated. So that's how life is going over here in the Berg. All right, that's enough ACC talk. Given what happened to the Miami Hurricanes, you still putting? Yeah. Are you still putting French fries or meat on salads and calling it whatever you do? Your weird Pittsburgh salad things. Matt, uh, sorry, Dan, you don't. <laughs> You don't appreciate a good – like, I cannot eat a salad without French fries on it. I know it takes away from the healthiness, but, like, I can't – I cannot. I, I'll go to the gym or pay for it later, but, yeah, Pittsburgh salads are – Matt, when you come out here, we got to – I'll get you a real Pittsburgh salad. I'm <laughs> uh, I'm I'm good, thanks, Rachel. Um, What was the thing that I saw the other day where it was, like, the every state's favorite pizza topping? And then, like, New Mexico and Minnesota's weird. I think was, one of those two was, like, carrots, but then, like, Phil, uh, Pennsylvania, excuse me, was something else weird. And I was like, oh, my God, who hurt you? It was you? corn. What? You tagged, you tagged me in it, and it was, like, corn. And I was like, that must be a Philadelphia thing because we don't do that here. Okay, th this is enough food talk, everyone. So uh, let's get into it. Um, So, uh, listeners... uh. We were podcasting on a weekly or bi-weekly basis other than it's been a crazy year for all of us. We've all been really busy and schedules are difficult to deal with. As Dan was alluding to a minute ago, life happens. So we're going to reprise our almost necessary um, subject matter that we have, which, of course, is the MLF playoff DEFCON rating. So we have nine teams left that have not clinched a playoff spot nor have been eliminated from playoff contention and so we'll be going through those nine teams we've got three co-hosts so that math works out really nicely so we are going to start with lay i almost said montreal impact we're going to start with cf montreal who are currently eighth in the eastern conference they have 41 points off of 33 games played and their final game remaining which will be on decision day is at Columbus Crew, which I would say will be a difficult game, but I'll, I'll just start it off really calmly here, listeners. Uh, I'm at DEFCON 5. To remind you all, for those of you who are not, uh, who were not alive during the main bits of the Cold War or have not seen War Games, fantastic movie featuring Matthew Broderick, uh, DEFCON ratings is a rating that the United States government had for readiness for um, potential nuclear attacks and nuclear catastrophes. It is on a scale of 1 to 5. 5 being the um, 
being the best in terms of everything's totally fine. And one, you are the you were the Colorado Rapids two months ago. One is basically it's where Manchester United are basically right now, Dan. So uh, one is bad. Five is good. And then you could discuss it that. So I've got Montreal really simply on five here, folks. And that is because so many things have to happen in order for them to not be able to make the playoffs at this point. Um, so obviously they're in eighth right now. And so you would have to have, um, you've got NYCFC who, if they win their final game, they would, uh, they would tie Montreal on points, but then Montreal already has the tiebreaker. Charlotte's the one team, uh, below Montreal that have two games remaining. They're playing a home and away next week against inter Miami. I have confidence in that, but then just the, the matchups are too weird where you'd have to have two teams be able to tie Montreal on points or jump them as well. And I think really simply they can go to, um, I think they're a good enough team to where they can go to Columbus and kind of play the scoreline and then get a draw in that game. Columbus is all but locked up. Uh, I shouldn't say that Columbus isn't locked up in terms of their position, but they're in the best bowl position. And even if they don't take care of business, um, they've got the highest point total of the of the teams that haven't clinched the playoff spot yet in the Eastern Conference. And then they've got the first tiebreaker. They are on 12 wins. There is no team that can catch them on that tiebreaker. So then at that point, how many teams left do you think could get 42 points or more? And since a lot of those teams, as we'll talk to in a minute, are playing each other, Montreal, not concerned. They are at DEFCON 5. We'll move on. Rachel to the New York Red Bulls. Too bad Harvey isn't here. Red Bulls currently uh, sitting in 10th in the Eastern Conference, uh, slightly below the eliminated DC United. They have one game left remaining, and that game is on decision day, and they are playing against Nashville SC. Rachel, what say you? Should Harvey be worried that the streak of playoff appearances for the Red Bulls is over? Oh, I love our boy Harvey Cruz, but I'm really glad he's not here because I am going with a DEFCON 2 rating. Um, I just think looking at some of the other teams on the table, I don't really think it's like a New York issue per se. Um, I, I think just even if New York gets a result against Nashville, which I don't foresee happening, um, I think that Charlotte has a pretty decent matchup with playing inner Miami back to back. If they can get four points or six points in those games, I think they knock the Red Bulls out of contention. They'll knock DC United out of contention. And they could even jump ahead of Montreal for that eighth place spot. Um I just I I don't think the Red Bulls are going to get that result against Nashville. I know Nashville hasn't been the dominant team that we've seen from them in previous seasons, but I still think Nashville is a really hard team to beat. Um, New York is on the road in that game, too, so that doesn't really help their case too much. If they were at home, I think it might be a different story. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I think that I think that just because of the, the matchup that Charlotte has, and we'll get to them later, I, I just can't see New York making the playoffs. Um, and if they do, I think they would need a lot of help um, from an already uh, eliminated Inter-Miami season. But uh, got to shout out Lewis Morgan, who's had a really good season with them for 14 goals. Um, he's obviously been the bright spot this season. Just too many hurdles this year for for the New York Red Bulls. 
lot of inconsistency, especially uh, especially like in the middle there. They've been playing really well with uh, a big win against Cincinnati on the road and then coming home um, against Toronto FC. Um, so winning against a team a lot of people didn't think they would win against and then winning a game that they needed to and, and should win. Um, but I just think Nashville um, on the road is a is a different beast. And so I'm going to give them a DEFCON too, but with a lot of hope and promise for um, next season. Daniel Sperry, I don't know if you're claiming the Chicago Fire, but you talk a lot about the Chicago Fire, currently sitting 11th yeah. in the Eastern Conference. They are also on 40 points. They have one game left, but in this case, they are below New York and D.C. on goal difference. I should say of the teams left to um, find out their playoff fate in the Eastern Conference. So Chicago Fire has the second worst. They're minus 11. Somehow Montreal is minus 15. Maybe they lost like 5-0 to Philly at some point. Uh, and the Chicago Fire will be heading to Queens, New York on decision day to take on NYCFC. Dan, how are we feeling? Um, I mean, not entirely great. Uh, this... Uh... Look, this NYCFC team is going to miss out on the playoffs themselves. Um, it's going to be very difficult for them to make it. Um, it's extremely likely that that line is higher um, than 40. I mean, it has to be higher than 40-41. Uh, um, the, the max that they can reach is 41, and they only have they have a, a minus five goal differential. Um, so I look, there's a shot there for NYCFC, but I think they it's still a pretty far one. Um, we'll talk a little bit about them later, but. That's a matchup directly between two teams that absolutely have to win this game. Um, so to me, uh, you know, I, I'm big on um, this, I, I, this. The Chicago team looked good for a little bit, right? And they get the big win over a messy less Miami, but then they go and they lose to Charlotte. Charlotte's look really good at home, so it kind of makes sense. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a, it, playing on the postage stamp. Uh, at uh, at are, are they in the Bronx or are they in the Queens? Where are they at for this uh, one? They're Bronx. They're at, they're at City Field. Uh, City Field. So a slightly larger field than uh, Yankee Stadium, but not by much. Um, but still not an ideal uh place to be in. Look, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh Chicago here um at a DefCon one. Just because anytime you're in a position where you're below the line going into the last game and you have to win, that's it. You, it, it's it, there's nothing else um, that really matters at this point. You have to win or your season's over. So to me, um, that's DefCon one um, things. It, it's uh, what's the it's it's Jover meme like that. That that's where you win or it's Jover if you're the Chicago Fire and that that that's kind of what they're facing. So um, absolute must win match. Um, they've looked good at times. Shakiri has been very um, hit or miss, but when he's on, he's brilliant. And um, Brian Gutierrez is a fantastic player. Um, they have some decent pieces, but just the, being able to put together the consistency hasn't been there. And they, they had a nice little week going into this final match uh, against or going into the match against Charlotte. Um, but ultimately, I don't know that it's going to be enough um, compared to the very Jekyll and Hyde um, performances that we've seen from Chicago uh, over the course of the season. So there, that's why you're in DEFCON 1 at this point. Win, get in, you got to get above the line somehow, probably with some help too. 
Moving on to the only team that we'll be talking about in the East that has more than one game remaining. That is Charlotte FC, currently sat 12th in the Eastern Conference. They have 39 points off of 32 games played, and they'll be doing a home and away with Inter-Miami this week on Wednesday, October 18th. They are at Drive Pink Stadium, and then they are hosting Miami on decision day at the Bank of America Stadium should be stated inner Miami already eliminated. Um, there's been some scuttlebutt from Tata Martino regarding uh, Messi's injury. And at one point they were contemplating whether or not to shut him down. Obviously, now they have nothing left to play for in these final two games. And he's uh, well, in any case, he's uh, he'll be coming back from international duty. And I have to imagine if Messi can Messi will go out there for one with one leg to help Argentina be successful. So I think it's a valid question of just on um, on load management alone, whether or not he's you know back and available and trained and able to take a part in the take part in the. Wednesday game and then I think it's a valid question whether or not he comes back as well for the game on Saturday he did make an appearance off the bench in inner Miami's most recent game that was uh their elimination game but um uh Rachel what are we thinking about Charlotte uh, is this fairly straightforward because they're playing a bad team and then potentially no Messi should be four points this week yeah yeah I I think I know it sounds crazy because of the the tight schedule with you know, the rescheduling and whatnot. But I, I think something else to look at is there's really not a lot of travel in this. Um, it, it's not like they're going up to Toronto or they're going, you know, e- even to Kansas City or, or Seattle. Um, they're going not too far away down to Florida and they're coming right back. Um, yeah, I think it's four points. I can honestly see them getting six points um, in, in these games and, and making the playoffs. I don't I would be shocked if Charlotte didn't make the playoffs. Um, Swiderski is playing really well for them. 12 goals leading them this season. So they need him to be on on point uh, in these games. But yeah, I, I would be shocked. So technically, I guess to give a rating, my DEFCON rating would be five um, for Charlotte FC. Um, I, I'm going to be really, really shocked if if they don't make the playoffs. And that is saying that with or without Messi too, um, because Charlotte's just going to throw the kitchen sink to get some goals um, and, and to get the results that they need. And I think, you know, going back to what I said earlier with Red Bulls matchup and then um, Dan talking about um, the, the hope for Chicago. I just think that on paper, Charlotte has definitely the easier matchup despite games only being what four days away from each other. And if I remember correctly, Rachel, I believe it was I'm looking at their results from last year right now, and they ended up drawing um, Columbus crew in their final home game of the season last year. And I believe that was the game they got eliminated on. And that was the the second to last uh, match day of the season. They then went on decision day um, uh, that weekend and lost to New York Red Bulls. But so you're talking about an expansion team that obviously had a very uh, it had a lot of noise going into um, their opening start of the season and whether or not they were prepared and then had a really nice uh, run of it and then won three games a row, including beating NYCFC, beating Chicago Fire, beating Philadelphia off the top of my head. Those are three really good six pointers for getting back into the playoff spot. 
getting back into playoff contention. And then you needed a win at home against Columbus in the final home game of the season in order to then have a chance on decision day. So I think Charlotte has to be very confident. I think they know if they get a win against a inner Miami team that does not have Messi on Wednesday, then they're, they're, they're all but a shoe in at that point. And this would be their first playoff uh, clinching in club history, which would obviously be massive, which then brings me to the final team that we'll discuss in the Eastern conference, New York city FC, 13th place right now in the conference, and they have 38 points off of 33 games played. It should be said at time of recording, listeners, there's a possibility that NYCFC is already eliminated by the time decision day already happens. If Charlotte were to win their, um, were to get three points against Inter Miami, that would put them on 42. And then NYCFC could only catch Montreal at that point with a win, but then Montreal has the first tiebreaker of wins. NYCFC's only won eight games all season. That's pretty abhorrent. Um, so there's a possibility that Charlotte could eliminate NYCFC with a win. And then even if they don't eliminate them with a win, there's uh, like Dan mentioned with Chicago Fire, um, there's so many other results that would have to go their way that would allow NYCFC to sneak in on 41 points in the Eastern Conference, which brings me to I've got NYCFC just like Chicago out of DEFCON 1. At this point, their one maybe saving grace that has them is that if this goes to all of the other various tiebreakers is that um, they have one of the better goal differences in this group that we've talked about. They're minus five. Charlotte's minus eight. Chicago's minus 11. Montreal is minus 15. But uh, Dan, I think we'll both be talking, um, you know, after decision day about, you know, that game out at City Field of two desperate teams trying to find a win in a game that will ultimately be irrelevant because of results that happen elsewhere. With that, we will move on to the Western Conference, and we'll start with the Portland Timbers, who are sitting pretty in seventh in the Western Conference. They've got 43 points off of 33 games played, but it is an absolute logjam right here, folks. We're talking about uh, 7 through 11 in the Western Conference are separated by just two points. You've got two teams on 43, one on 42, and then two teams on 41 points, and the Portland Timbers on decision day are hosting Houston Dynamo. That will be no cupcake in that game. Um, but we don't have Portland Timbers on the list. I might have done a bad job with this Google Doc, listeners. Okay, the, I'll take the Portland Timbers, and I'll say they're at DEFCON 5 in this one. Um, or excuse me, eh, let's go Let's go DEFCON 3. I think uh, Houston won't be a pushover, but they do have a points advantage, and a bunch of other results would have to go against them. You'd effectively have to have three of the four teams that are below them still in competition for the playoffs to jump them on results. And then only Dallas has a game in hand in that regard. So, um, and Portland's been on an absolute tear so far this season. If I just are under their interim manager after Giovanni Sabarese got the sack. So if I just pull up the form guide, Portland Timbers are currently sitting 14th, um, but um, they have, um, Am I looking at this wrong? Uh, it doesn't scroll all over to the right. Uh, they went on a really ridiculous. Oh, here we go. Um, so uh, so they did lose at Montreal um, in their last game, four to one, and they drew L.A. Galaxy. But um, before that, they had won four games, including beating San Jose and beating LAFC. I think they get at least a draw against Houston Dynamo, and that'll be good enough for them to sneak into late playoffs. With that, let's move on. Daniel Sperry to the San Jose Earthquakes, who are also sitting on 43 points off of 33 games played. Portland has the tiebreaker on wins right now, though San Jose does have the superior goal differential, and they are playing Austin FC. Dan, do the Quakes get into the playoffs? 
you don't get a a, a patented Dan Quakes rant for me on this, but the San Jose Earthquakes. Look at let's look at this. Let's just look at their decision day matchup, right? The San Jose Earthquakes since July first, they'll be playing Austin FC, who since July first are two nine and four. That's really bad in all competitions. That's including League's Cup. Both teams got smacked with two fat losses in their League's Cup matches. The San Jose Earthquakes are three five and seven. It's not much better, right? So we're talking at teams that have absolutely stumbled down the stretch. Um, San Jose had a bigger uh, points um, padding that has helped them stay afloat um, above the playoff line for this long, but they have been tumbling, tumbling, tumbling from I think third in the West before um, the start of or before the restart after League's Cup, all the way down now to where they're at on decision day. They're at home against Austin, which is a good thing for them, right? The problem is the fact that all three wins for San Jose have come on the road. None have been at home. Um, they, they have not been able to pick up points at home. That's a serious problem. Um, I, I, I look at this situation with the earthquakes right now um, and say, you know what? Okay, if you draw like you've done in almost all of your games since coming back, since July 1st, if you draw, that puts you still, they, ha- they won't have, if Sporting Kansas City wins or... Minnesota were to win that match and San Jose doesn't pick up a win, they will be leapfrog on the wins tiebreaker because first tiebreaker is wins. Period. That's the problem. So to me, I think the San Jose Earthquakes are actually in more of a must-win situation than people actually think. Um, There's two teams below the line that can jump them, sure, but the problem is is it's very likely and it's very likely that before going into decision day, sorry, Rapids folks, but with Dallas having a game in hand and it being at home against the Rapids, I expect San Jose to be going into decision day in ninth, in ninth place. That means the two teams below them, all they have to do is get a better result than San Jose, and it's Jover for San Jose. So what happens there in this situation now is you're absolutely they absolutely have to win at home against Austin, um, and you know I, I think it's going to make decision day really interesting. Austin um, has been okay on the road um not great but at the same time um you know i i i look at the way both teams are trending right now the match just screams draw the match just screams neither team being able to score enough goals to beat the other um it screams a one one draw and that's a problem because san jose are at home against minnesota or it's not san jose sporting at home against minnesota we'll talk about them more later but um you know i i, I think given san jose's form um, you know, I, it, if you're sitting above the line, I usually feel like you're pretty good, especially going to a home game uh, with the team below the playoff line for your final match of the season. San Jose should win this on paper. Problem is, is that they haven't shown that they can win games on paper lately right now. And I think that's why I put their DEFCON at DEFCON 2. I don't try, I, I think they're at a place where they're virtual must win um, based on where everyone else is around them. So um, they cannot afford to slip up the moment they do, they're out. Wasn't a proper Dan Quakes rant, Dan, but uh, some of your old Quakes PTSD certainly did come up there. So we'll see what the Goonies can do. Seen it too many times. Yeah, uh, Rachel Krigger, um, currently uh, FC Dallas, have the last playoff spot, sitting in ninth on 42 points. It should be said they've got 32 games played, so uh, they're the only team in the West that we're talking about that have two games remaining. Uh, they'll be playing on Saturday, hosting Colorado Rapids. That game was lightning out what uh, a week ago, Wednesday. So like. Uh, if you're listening to us on Friday, October 13th, listeners, this would have been um, like nine days ago. 
But so in any case, and then on decision day, they are playing. Uh, they are at LA Galaxy. So, Rachel, they've got two non-playoff teams that they're playing, but also this is a team that has been perpetually getting 1-1 draws. Uh, Rachel, what say you about the hoops? Yeah, I think this one's tough because, like you said, they have been getting the 1-1 draws, but they've been getting them against decent teams. Um, getting a draw for me against a team like Columbus and, you know, a team like team like Philadelphia, I think is a, a pretty good result considering that they are the, I think they're in the top five in the Eastern conference. Um, but getting a one, one draw, sorry, Dan, against the San Jose earthquakes is probably not the best look, um, for FC Dallas. But yeah, I mean, it, it's. To spin it into a positive, they've gone unbeaten the entire month of September, albeit uh, six, I'm sorry, five draws in September, um, six altogether because they played once in October. Um, But still, I mean, that's a nice wave to ride on being unbeaten in your last um, seven games. So I I think coming against the Rapids at home, being at home helps them. And I don't think being on the road against the Galaxy just because of all the frustrations um, going on with the galaxy and, you know, with supporters and whatnot. Um, I I don't think they're going to have too much trouble on the road. If they get three points at home against Colorado and then one point in a draw against um, the galaxy, I I don't think they're going to be sitting in a bad spot. So I'm going to give them, I'm a little wary about the draw. So I am going to give them a DEFCON four, not a five. Um, but I do think we see FC Dallas making the playoffs. And side note, by the way, I had no idea about this, but evidently Jesus Ferrer's brother, Santiago, plays uh, his collegiate soccer at the University of Pittsburgh. So I had no idea. And I guess Jesus was in town a few weeks ago. So I'm going to have to um, go check out the men's team um, and and catch a glimpse of the younger Ferreira brother. All right, then uh, let's move on. Uh, we're officially below the playoff line. Daniel Sperry, Sporting Kansas City, 10th place, 41 points, 33 games played. And on decision day, they're having it's it's a uh, just like Chicago versus NYCFC. It is a loser gets eliminated six pointer uh, hosting the loons at Children's Mercy Park. Dan, talk to me. Yeah, uh, massive match at Children's Mercy Park. I will be there. It's going to be nuts. Um, I, I think the interesting th- thing about uh, where sporting is at is that they will hold, regardless if they're tied on points with anybody, they will hold the tiebreaker um, uh, in any fashion. Um, e- even even if the weird case, this is a weird, weird hypothetical case. Let's say Dallas loses every single game remaining. Sporting Kansas City, all they would need is a draw to leapfrog Dallas into the standings. They could face plant. Uh, at home against Minnesota United with a 0-0 draw and get into the playoffs if the right thing of results were um, to go their way. However, they will know whether or not they need a draw going into that match, um, depending on Dallas's result against Colorado. So that 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 could be very quickly put out uh, of anybody's mind here this weekend. Uh, most likely will be, but um, Sporting are in a position where win and you're in. And I think uh, I think there's some tricky situations. Um, for the teams that are ahead of them, I think Portland at home. I know we talked about Portland. Yes, they've been really, really hot. At sooner or later, though, this is a team that was by and large not good for a majority of the season. Got super hot after they fired their coach. 
how long do they ride this the coattails of this interim coach bump does having two weeks off after a big loss um uh cutting you know stopping their momentum full stop all they needed to do was get a win in that last match and i believe that they uh or, or even a draw in that last match sets them up that only one point against Houston puts them into the postseason. But now they're in a spot where if they don't win against post against Houston in the postseason, the pressure is on them that they could get leapfrog. And so sporting, I don't sporting are in a place where they can freely go into the game knowing you win, you've done whatever you can to get in and hope you're there. You don't have to sit there and think, okay, if we lose, are we gonna get leapfrogged? You know, or if it's tight down the end, are we gonna are we gonna lose this point and and be screwed? That's where that's the point that that those teams above them are going to be kind of dealing with, and I think it it always is interesting going into the last day to see the teams that are the hunted be the teams that um, maybe f- fall a little bit flat and play a little bit tight, uh, where the teams that are the hunting the hunters are the ones that come out loose and free, and so you've got this really interesting matchup again with Minnesota, a team that the only win that Minnesota United has ever had at Sporting Kansas City was the 3-0 drubbing in the 2020 COVID year playoffs um, that there was no Alan Polito for. Well, Alan Polito is healthy now, and that's a massive factor for Sporting Kansas City. Um, the last time uh, that Sporting played uh, Minnesota in Kansas City, it was a 3-0 drubbing. Um, they were miles off of it, Minnesota, for the majority of that match, and Polito and Kinda were barely healthy. Um, so I, this is one of those situations for Sporting that, I think you want to be in this situation, but I still think you're in DEFCON 1. You have to win. That That's the bare minimum where you're at below the playoff line. And, you know, we can talk about a lot about that, you know, 10 win, ten game uh, winless run to start the season that has put them in this position. Since then, they've had the best record in the Western Conference tied with St. Louis over that stretch. They've been a very, very good team. They've been a very inconsistent team. They have yet to string together more than two wins in a row the entire season. Now, since they since that 10-game stretch started, or since that first 10 games, they haven't lost back-to-back games. Um, so the, the inconsistencies, the Jekyll and Hyde from Sporting have kept them from really fully catapulting over the edge of that playoff line, but they've put themselves in a position now that they're uh, you know fully healthy for 23-plus games here that they, they've put themselves into a spot where they can win and get in. So it's DEFCON 1, but I really like Sporting's chances to leapfrog somebody in the case that um, they win that match. And so I, I think this is one where for sporting or, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be wild at children's mercy park. It's the place that you want to have that match uh, more than anything. And um, we'll see what happens when they take on Minnesota next weekend. Uh, should be said, just like with NYCFC for SKC in Minnesota, like you mentioned, Dan, um, they'll know they'll have a better understanding of their fate and what out of town, scoreboard watching they'll be doing and what result will be needed based on what fc dallas does this weekend against the colorado rapids should dallas get a win at that point then effectively kansas city and minnesota are only watching the san jose austin game and again it's um win and you're probably in uh losing your out and if it ends up being a draw you know it could end up being like chicago and nycfc where it's both teams fighting for a result that potentially becomes irrelevant because they don't control their own fate uh with that dan we'll close it out um minnesota united 11th in the west uh, on 41 points uh one game left and that game is at sporting kansas city i have them at a defcon one as well it should be said that uh they've obviously parted ways with uh their only head coach in their mls history in 
Adrian Heath. Um, that was after a 5-1 loss on Wednesday, October 4th to LAFC. And then the uh, to the extent that they had a new coach bump, uh, they beat the LA Galaxy 5-2. Who knows what the LA Galaxy are at this point in their season. Uh, that did officially eliminate the LA Galaxy, but they were all but mathematically out going into that game on October 7th. So to your point, Dan, I don't know that that was a new coach bump so much as it was they were playing a bad team that was circling the drain and finally was ready to stay down and have their season be decided. And, you know, can you is it a new coach bump if... You fire a head coach, and then you've got two days left, and two days later, you get a win against a bad team, and then you have two weeks off against what, for my money, is a good team, and a team that I think, um, given the inconsistency of Timo Pukki this season, um, or right more recently, um, Sporting Kansas City is a better team at this point. So I have them both at a DEFCON 1. I think it's only fair. You've got two matchups, one in the East, one in the West on Decision Day. Win and you've got a chance and lose and you're officially out. And then even then, both teams need some help. Otherwise, uh, I think it's only fair that those four teams are on DEFCON 1. Uh, and Dan, despite the concerns that you have about sporting Kansas City, I am fully expecting Minnesota United to Kirk Cousins this and just break the hearts of um, Minnesota sports fans, as is tradition. Before we move on to big picture um, MLS talk, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 formula is perfect for daily nutrition and gut health support. AG1 solves two of the most important health needs, uh, providing you the tradition, the nutrition you need for an on an everyday basis, and then building the foundation for long-term gut health. Together, they help fuel your whole body, and this impacts everything from your sleep to digestion to energy, mood, immunity, the health of your hair, skin, and nails. Get started with AG1 today by following the link in the show notes. Thank you to Athletic Greens for sponsoring Last Word on Sports Radio. Okay, guys, let's get into some big picture stuff that we want to talk about. Um, Dan, Rachel, I'm sure you both saw, obviously we know, Messi, Inter-Miami, not making the playoffs. And there's kind of been a roundtable of people commenting uh, on that. And then uh, in particular, the Athletic, I think, had the right idea in talking about it, that it was a missed opportunity for MLS, but came off in a really whiny, wow, we're not going to get clicks, and then proceeded to get dunked on by their audience. Uh, Dan, you're the most media savvy in terms of handling this stuff and when is it BS and everything. Uh, is this something that we should care about? How much of this, like, should, like, this should be a meritocracy? I think if Don Garber was a evil dictator, I think he would just give Inter-Miami a four-round bye into the MLS Cup final against the winner of the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference champion in the actual playoffs. Dan, uh, but also, for me, how much does this just say that MLS's baseline has so much more to grow that Messi would have been such a significant delta to the team, uh, to the league's playoffs, given the playoff format and all the other shenanigans? Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing that... That I take out of all that, the whole situation there is just simply the fact that um, I think it's the way in which that article portrayed, um, you know, this, the, these decision day matchups of, you know, Chicago and New York. And they even said something about FC Dallas and the San Jose Earthquakes. These are potential wildcard matchups that like nobody's going to care about. Well, I'm sorry. But, like, don't suck for two-thirds of the season um, if you want to be in the playoffs. I mean, this was that Miami team, Messi came to Miami when they were the worst team in the league. And 
they weren't by the time he by the time they restarted league play they were there's a possibility that they would have won a trophy and they would still be the worst team oh wait this did happen they were still the worst team in major league soccer when mls when he played his first regular season game this is after he had already played six or seven games it's like we knew what the situation was with Miami. Everyone said it was going to be a crazy thing for them to do. It looked possible. The problem is, is that they burnt themselves out so hard on Open Cup and um, and, and Leagues Cup. And so what ha- what happens here is that now we have this, oh, we're not going to get messy in the playoffs. It would have been crazy to see like an eight or a nine seed like push their way through. And the problem is simply the fact that um, – that, they we're like we're looking at that that that's not reality. Like the low, I think uh, Taylor Twelman put this out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. The the lowest seed to make an MLS Cup final in the last few years was like Portland at five when they played NYCFC. It was four versus five in the seeding charts that made that made the playoff set uh, that made the MLS Cup final that year. Um, that's the, the first time in a very long time that it's been that low, um, and no one below that has made MLS Cup final. Since the pigs did it in 2010, I mean that that we're talking and and like that that's a long time ago. There was only four teams from each conference, four teams from each conference after the San Jose Earthquakes and uh, and Colorado Rapids met in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Best Eastern uh, Conference Finals ever, Frozen DSG baby. Two teams further west <laughs> than FC Dallas played for the Eastern Conference Final to play against FC Dallas in the MLS Cup Final in Toronto. One of the just MLS's most brilliant um, scheduling uh, playoff schemes ever. But uh, as I get through the rant um, here, I, I think it's one of those things of like, you know, I. I understand where they're coming from because it is a missed opportunity for eyeballs on the playoffs and the fun chaos that we know and love as the MLS Cup playoffs. Um, but to me, it is missed. I, I would rather miss eyeballs on the merit of an entire season's body of work um, than miss eyeballs um, or, or than have the eyeballs because we're just happy. Um, that Messi squeaked in. Um, and I, I, I think we all knew it was going to be difficult for Miami to do it, um, but it does just come... I, I understand why to every other fan base it comes off as whining from the people who are supposed to be the ones to make a larger platform for the league, um, right? Like outside of the league website, they're the only other independent... They're the only... They're the largest independent media that gives consistent cohesive thorough coverage of major league soccer and that is so to to have that be their voice about it where it's kind of dumping on every other team i understand why that rubs people the wrong way um and i think you write that article knowing it's going to rub people the wrong way because in reality when you look at this whole thing you look at the way apple tv is approached the look at the way league's cup was approached when messi got in there um, and the way you go to the league website, it might as well change the MLS color scheme to pink now because that's all I ever see on Major League Soccer's website. It's um, all I see on Apple TV Plus is all messy, messy, messy. Every single time I log in just to freaking watch Ted Lasso with my wife. So like if like dollar signs has been the only thing that's been at the forefront of their mind since they got messy. And so league sees missed opportunity for more dollar signs to go into bank account. League is upset. Therefore, athletic rights about it, um, and, and I think 
it's disingenuous to the rest of the teams, but the league has also done this for their large markets at the expense of the small markets for years. Dempsey, Beckham, uh, the Galaxy, Sounders, all that stuff. Um, so we're we're it's it's it, it comes across across as sour grapes. I understand what they're doing about it, but to me, I don't really care whether or not Messi's in the playoffs. I'm probably going to watch every single game. Rachel, how dare Messi League Soccer actually be Major League Soccer instead of just all around one player and the marketing opportunities for that, rather than an actual cohesive league and a meritocracy? I, I think just echoing what Dan said, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like he said, just don't suck for a solid 80% of the season and, and you wouldn't have this issue. Um, and if Major League Soccer really wanted him in the playoffs, okay, well, maybe shift him toward a different team. I I, I didn't know if Miami was such a desirable area to live. I, I guess it is for professional athletes and stuff like that. Um, I just lump all of Florida together at this point. Um, yeah, no, thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, hard, hard to follow up with, with what Dan just said, but yeah, I agree. Just enjoy the soccer, enjoy the soccer that that's actually happening. And, um, I know I will be, and I haven't been able to watch a lot of the regular season. Um, but I'm hoping to watch as much of the postseason as I can, um, with or without Messi. Rachel, I'll go back to you for our next topic. As we mentioned earlier, Adrian Heath out as the head coach of Minnesota United. Um, also with that uh, is out Dan Watson, who's effectively his handpicked person from a GM standpoint. I would say it was very much Dan Watson was executing. Adrian Heath was the brain trust for what Minnesota was trying to do on the tactical side, the technical side of things, and had been for a number of years, if not five of the seven years that he'd been the head coach. Um, Rachel, your Seattle Sounders obviously existed for an extended period of time where they were a, uh, they were an imprint of Siggy Smith. And I think they had a very, uh, fortuitous succession plan in Brian Smetzer, given his connection to the club and to soccer in Seattle and the greater Washington. Um, where the heck does Minnesota go from here? Given that they're like, they're like the girl who breaks up with her boyfriend, freshman year of college but they've been dating since like seventh grade and it's like who am i is kind of a thing and what do we think about the timing of this given they did it with two games left to go in the season yeah i see this as like the chicago red stars just did this too um and then have not acknowledged it whatsoever but that's a whole different thing for another day um i never understood the idea of with a game or two left firing your head coach um unless you know who's going to take over for the next season and neither Chicago or Minnesota really have that plan in place. I doubt Minnesota has that plan in place. I know darn well, Chicago doesn't have that plan. Um, so the timing just, I mean, it sucks. I mean, especially for someone, you know, in, in Adrian Heath's um, history with the club, who was the club's first ever head coach um, to just see him go out like this for them to kind of kick him out with just two games or, or three games left for them. It's unfortunate. I mean, I think he deserves better. I think he'll get another chance in MLS for sure. Um, but yeah, I just think it's just in poor taste with how they, they kicked him out with, with a game or two left. 
And with that, we'll transition to we've gotten a decent amount of news in the last week regarding the Colorado Rapids um, head coaching search. As I reported, it would have been this time last week that the club would have been finishing up on their first round of interviews. And supposedly there were five candidates, um, both uh, with consisting of domestic and international candidates. Uh, Tom Bogart over the Athletics said that Chris Little is in consideration. He is one of those final five. And then we've since found out from David Ordstein, also of the Athletic, albeit on the other side of the pond, that uh, Jack Wilshire, longtime um, Arsenal star boy and up and coming young talent whose career got derailed for a bunch of reasons that I won't go into details. Nothing horrible, mostly injuries. And he's now 31 years old and he retired at the end of the 2022 European season. So 2021 into 2022 and the last, what, maybe a year, 18 months of the absolute most he's been coaching at the U18 level with Arsenal. Um, I'm not optimistic about this coaching search simply because I think based on the financial realities of what the Rapids are going through, both in terms of what they could pay a head coach. I haven't been able to confirm um, that Robin Frazier's deal, which was through 2025, was fully guaranteed, but I have reason to suspect that it was. So there's potential limited funding in general because it's the Rapids and KSE. There's some also potential limited funding because they just, in order to part ways with a head coach, potentially had to shell out some money for that and could be doing some more with a coaching staff that also were on extensions from their original deals under Robin Frazier. On top of the fact that, um, you know, this is an organization that doesn't, from a financial standpoint, doesn't have a lot of ambition. The Portland Timbers job is absolutely better. Say what you will, Dan, about the Chicago Fire. You cannot... You cannot uh, fault them for the fact that they've been willing to spend money. Um, I think the Orlando job, if that were to become available, if Oscar Pereja decides to leave the organization, would all be more interesting. Right now, of the open jobs that you have right now in Major League Soccer, um, the Rapids is the one where the cupboards are the most barren. The opportunity to fill those cupboards, um, there isn't necessarily a precedent or a belief that that funding is going to be there. That was a lot of criticism around um, Robin Frazier's dismissal and whether or not he was given the support in order to succeed. And they're also kind of locked into who they have. Um, you know, Andreas Maxu is on his highest salary that he's ever been as a player. They're currently in year three of five for that Kevin Cabral deal, albeit not. Um, paying all of his salary, but nobody else in MLS, we know what he is. We know he's not very good. Nobody else in MLS is taking him. Some team, even if you were to trade him, has to carry on that DP um, designation. And so in that regard, I don't think he's a tradable asset. And I don't think that he's somebody you can send back to um, France. Maybe he's available on the free and decides that he really hates living in Colorado. But I think when you're making 1.6 million, I think that becomes a whole lot easier. Um, and then so ironically, the one DP that you're easy, that's the easiest to move off from is the one that's possibly the most valuable and the one that's the biggest unknown in that he's a blank slate. He hasn't proven that he's meh to below meh for the Rapids in Rafael Navajo. And then even then he hasn't scored a goal. So the head coach that's coming in has to be able to look at this roster and get value and production out of it in ways that Robin Frazier was not able to do from let's say mid-March until, you know, August when, or that might have been that first week of September when he got um, axed by, when he got uh, jored by the Colorado Rapids to use a, a Dan joke from earlier in the podcast. I think Chris Little should be a candidate. I think he's brought the right energy. I think he has good experience from his time at Seattle Sounders. Rachel, tell me if you disagree. Um, I don't get how Jack Welsh is in this conversation. 
I don't know how you can argue that a guy with less than at most 18 months of coaching experience entirely at the U18 level, you can say that that's someone that you should consider. And where it's really proof for me that the Rapids are just in a different lower tier than every single other team in MLS is look at the candidates and who everybody else is considered. I don't know that Chris Little would be interviewing for head coaching opportunities elsewhere in the league. Could it be a number one assistant like Robin was with Greg Vanny? Absolutely. Is he a valid candidate for an open academy director job, given what he did with Seattle Sounders? Absolutely. Chris Little will not be the next head coach of the Portland Timbers, Chicago Fire, Minnesota United, etc. I don't know that in, in what other universe are those other coaching opportunities open and they narrow it down to their five final candidates in which Jack Wilshire's even on the board or someone with his pedigree. And so at this point, I have to wonder, like, is this, uh, you know, like the, is there, is there options so limited that finally they're trying to explore cheap options where effectively KSC is just moving one salary from one books to another. And that then it doesn't change the financial requirements for KSC because he's somebody effectively within the football group. And then that's somebody that then that they're um, that they're looking at. So I, I appreciate them shaking down opportunities that they have with Arsenal. But why aren't you interviewing one of our Tethys assistants? Why aren't you interviewing the academy director at Arsenal? Why aren't you interviewing somebody who's a former Arsenal player who's maybe getting his badges right now or anything like the of all the guys to go after Jack Wilshire, you know, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, if uh, if Peter Vermees were to retire at the end of this season for Sporting Kansas City, would Benny Fellhaber be one of the top five candidates for the head coaching job? Um, Dan's currently pondering. Go ahead, Dan. Probably. Probably? Um, yeah, okay. I, I think. I mean, just from, I, I personally, I think Kerry Zavagnon, if Peter were to retire, I think Kerry Zavagnon becomes the first option, just yeah. like internally thinking so. Um, if they wanted to continue this the sporting way, but then after that, it is Benny. I think Benny Benny becomes the next guy, and so I think. But then you've he, got you've got a player who knows MLS. You've got a player who's been with you know he was at that club for the better part of a decade, and so I I just I don't know like has Jack Wilshire played in a league where he's going to be coaching you know a kid out of college making sixty k that is just not on the level with anybody that he would have dealt with at Arsenal. Like and so and on top of that, you're going with somebody who's who does not have a head coaching experience pedigree and then also doesn't have MLS experience like the, the Rapids can't have this guy learning on the job or if that's the approach, then I'm done with the Rapids way fire everybody burn the stadium down, um, you know, start over from scratch. Um, and so I just I, I don't get where that name's coming out. I could understand them shaking down uh, connections that they have at Arsenal and be like, hey, who would be interested? And if Jack Wilshire is the only one who raised his hand, like, OK, give him an interview. But if he's one of the final five candidates, he better be number five. Or I've got some serious concerns about who the other people they interviewed who aren't making it to the next round of the interviews. I, I continue to not have a lot of confidence in this. Uh, generally, it's my policy. And I say generally at last word SC, like we're not a we don't call for people's jobs or anything. We're agnostic in that regard. Um, we cover these people. They are human beings. We choose to see them at that. Um, Porrick Smith remains the person most responsible for the failures of the 2023 Colorado Rapids. And if and he is increasingly responsible for the people he hires. And if this coaching search uh, and this coaching hire goes horribly wrong, I don't know how you can validate him staying within the organization in a decision making role. And if the decision is Jack Wilshire, 
I'm going to have a lot of questions at the press conference that I'm going to need to be convinced that that was the best guy that they could get versus the only guy that they could get, which goes back to my primary concern based on what they're willing to pay, based on the opportunity. Um, the people who would see this as an opportunity, who would see this as an upgrade, are people who are other MLS front offices that are looking for a new head coach would say would not be qualified for their position. Um Adrian Heath could go back to England and in January get an opportunity in the championship that is more plum than what the Rapids are doing right now. The Portland job is bigger. Chicago, just because of what they um, are willing to spend, is bigger. And so then are the Rapids having to look for candidates that would not be considered for any other MLS job and in that are looking for a candidate that's horribly underqualified, including but not limited to Jack Wilshire. Um. Guys, let's talk about some U.S. men's national team. Uh, they've got a group together. Gio Reyna's back in the squad. Supposedly, he and Greg Berhalter have spoken to each other since all the kerfuffle that happened uh, out of the World Cup. And they're playing Germany, who's in a state of transition. And they're also playing Ghana as well. Um, Joe Scali's in, and he's going to be absolute vibes. Uh, Dan, how do we feel? Do we care? Why should we care? Uh, um, I'm excited. So... I, when the roster came out, I mean, I'm excited to see Geo. We've barely seen him for Dortmund so far this season. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see Geo in some capacity. Obviously, you have um, the fact that Geo's return to the camp after uh, U.S. soccer mom gate between uh, Danielle uh, Reyna and uh, and uh, Berhalter's wife. Um, I, I think. All of Danielle, correct? I don't know. I'm sorry. Forgive me for correct me if I'm wrong on the names. Um, but anyways, um, I, I think there's some things to look forward to. I, I care more about this Germany match um, than I do uh, the Ghana one. Well, only for this for the sake of like we've seen the U.S. play Ghana as a, a, a lot of times during this window, uh, that, or a lot not during this window, but we've seen them play a lot of Ghana's over the year um, because of the uh inclusion of the european nations league we don't get to see us against the high level high level high caliber um european nations anymore and so getting a germany matchup is massive um i i don't care that germany's on a downswing they are still germany um majority of those players still apply their trade in the bundesliga and i think it's a really good test for a group that feels really good about their identity and the direction that they're in uh, and and knows that it's very similar to what they've been doing for a while now. Um, but you know, we saw this test against the Netherlands. They looked good against the Netherlands, right? But they got beat in the, the, the very uh, fine details. So I want to see this team really be tested at a high level and see if they can um, find a way at a high level against a high-level opponent to really pay attention to the details, the the small details that will be the difference in winning against larger teams when it comes to making a deep run in the World Cup, hopefully in 2026. So this is where you start preparing for what you might see in those knockout games in 2026, um, and that starts by trying to nail down the details against a damn good Germany team. For the sake of completeness, Dan, you were correct. Uh, Daniel Reyna is uh, G is Gio Reyna's mom. Um, it's my favorite thing Claudio to do. Yes, and Claudio, and Claudio Reyna's uh, wife. Not and his then, mom being correct. 
Oh, being correct. Yes. Thank you, Dan. Uh, and then uh, it's Rosalind Berhalter as well. But uh, moving on from all the bad things that we've already discussed and hopefully Greg and Gio are able to put aside regardless of the forever damaged relationship that the Berhalters will have with the Reinas and hopefully um, certain people aren't in the inner circle for the camp and everything. Um, Rachel, Florian Balligan, a uh, little bit up and down uh, for clubs so well. And then Christian Pulisic back with the national team and maybe for the first time in certainly in the Greg Berhalter era in a situation where he's got as good club vibes and playing soccer with joy and being successful and being the reason his team is succeeding with AC Milan now potentially being a force multiplier with what he does with the Yanks. Although he did have to get knocked down a peg whenever they told him he was too short to play goalkeeper uh, for AC Milan. So, <laughs> um, so I doubt uh, he'll have, ever have to step in that um for the u.s men's national team i would put tim ream in that spot first um yeah just great to see christian Pulisic playing with just so much pride and and like you said matt i think joy is the right word to use um obviously not a great situation um at chelsea where he was at um struggling to find playing time kind of getting promised all these different things from different coaches and people in leadership and then it just like not happening so I'm glad he got out of that Chelsea situation. Chelsea has been looking a little rough this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just nice to see Pelusic playing happy again. He's doing really well with Milan in a very competitive league. Um, yeah, it's just been awesome to see. So like, that's what you want from kind of your quote unquote face of the franchise. Um, and I think Christian Pelusic fits that bill um, for the U.S. men's national team, and and hopefully that club form will be able to carry over. I mean, obviously these games are friendlies, but um, again, against uh, big-name teams, well-known teams like Germany, and then, of course, as Dan alluded to, the history with Ghana, the U.S. is going to want to win that game um, for the bragging rights for sure. So hopefully uh, hopefully the play for Inter, Inter Miami, cheese, oh man, for Milan. On AC Milan will translate um, over the pond here with the U.S. men's national team. I'm really looking at uh, whether or not Greg Berhalter rotates the squad so that we can see some opportunities. Obviously, you know, it was a good thought experiment that we saw both in the Nations League and in the gold cup over the summer but i think certainly a friendly group where it's the where most of the first teamers you know that are in here you know we've got mma well not mma we've got mm in the midfield in mckenny and musa you know we mentioned we've got the big boys up top uh you know in tim Weah, um christian pulisic and so to see those guys who've been a little bit more on the fringe to get an opportunity not around other fringe guys like we saw at the gold cup i think is really exciting and i'd like to see one of them you know um, take a step up. You know, do we see something from Johnny Cardoso that's a little bit different? Can we see Chris Richards build on what he did with the national team this summer? Certainly my biggest disappointment from the summer under BJ Callahan was Alex and Dejas, where he just did not look the part whatsoever. So I'd like to see whether or not, you know, he's able to um, take a step up. You know, we I could tell all three of us right now, uh, listeners could guess, you know, eight or nine of the starters for um you know, wh what's going to be expected that first game in 2026. And then we could probably guess, I'd say, at least half the roster. And so I'd like to see those players, those fringe spots that are kind of up for grabs or in doubt to see um, what those players are capable of doing. So we'll see what goes on with that. 
Uh, and I just saw on Instagram listeners that uh, Lionel Messi scored an Olympico against Paraguay. So apparently he's really good for or he's good to go for Argentina. We'll see whether or not he's back with um, Inter-Miami. But I think that will do it for us, folks. We'll move on to the roundtable and then just do some quick pick So we will start. Um, we're going to have all three of us uh, predict who the final two teams to qualify for the playoffs in each conference are. The matchups from this weekend and even next Wednesday, Inter-Miami against Charlotte isn't super interesting, so we'll predict it. So I'll start right now. In the Eastern Conference, I'll say Montreal. Um, They're already the highest-seeded team left. And I'll say Charlotte gets four points against Inter-Miami to get it done. Rachel, who you got in the East? Um, I think I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Montreal and, and, and Charlotte. I think that they're going to take the last two spots um, in the playoffs. I just think that Charlotte's schedule is just a little bit easier on paper than some of the others. Uh, Dan, you want to make it three for three and doom both the blue teams? Uh, yeah, it's going to be. Well, Charlotte's kind of a shade of blue, right? It, it's yeah. going to be. It's it's going to be Charlotte and, and uh, Montreal getting through. Okay, and then we'll pick the final three teams, excuse me, in the Eastern Conference, Portland, San Jose, Dallas, Kansas City, and Minnesota. I'll go first. I'll say Portland does it. They're the highest-seeded team left. Uh, Dallas has two games left. I think they beat the Rapids over the weekend. And, Dan, I'm going with it. I think uh, I think San Jose fumbles the bag, and I'll get Sporting Kansas City with a win over the Death Loons to get in. Dan, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I think I think Dallas is actually going to take care of it and put themselves in the postseason with the dub um, against Colorado this weekend and not make, make everybody not have to worry about it. Um, uh, so at this point, you're looking at both uh, the seven and eight um, seeds being open. I think I, I think Sporting is the one that that sneaks in. Um, I'm going to say it is Portland and Sporting that gets seven and eight. Um, now, depend what what will be fun and interesting is depending on what hap- how Portland gets in um, is the fact that uh, if if Sporting were to win that match and uh, Portland were to tie, that would Sporting hosting or Portland in the wild card match. Um, so I actually think it, it's very likely that if Sporting gets in, I think they even maybe leapfrog up to seven. So for me, Portland San, uh, and Sporting is it San Jose? You fumbled the bag. Rachel, who you got? Yeah, sorry, Dan. I think, I think, can or not Kansas City. San Jose is going to. You don't have to. You don't have to apology. Apologize to me about San Jose. I do not care anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, numb. <laughs> I'm going to go with Dallas and and Sporting. I think Dallas eight, Sporting nine. I almost just. Numbers are, are are just jamming together at this point, um, but I think I think FC Dallas and and Sporting Kansas City make the playoffs. And then our one pick'em that we'll do over the weekend, folks, is that United States wins national team game against Germany. That will be on Saturday, October fourteenth, twenty twenty three. It will be at Rensselaer Field at the uh, University of Connecticut, which I think is in. Hartford, but it might be in a suburb of Hartford in Connecticut. Connecticut's just one big parking lot, you know, like Connecticut's smaller than Houston anyway. So um, that'll be at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I've got a 2-2 draw on this one. I think we'll see some goals. I think we'll see a lot of rotation as well, which then will facilitate chaos and individual quality. Rachel, what you got? Uh, I I really want to say 2-1 USMNT. But I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go two two in a draw. Um, I do think there will be goals. 
Um, and I like goals and a lot of people like goals. I would love to be proven wrong and, and it be two one though. Dan, what you got? And most importantly, do we see Jurgen Klinsmann in attendance? I hope not. Um, he's going to be coaching. He's coaching who? Korea? Japan? He, oh, does he, he have a job hiatus. now? Klinsmann got a job. I swear he did. Jurgen, I'm looking it up as as we as we do this. Jurgen Klinsmann. South Korea. He does. Yeah. Coach. I forgot okay. about he's, that. Never yes. mind. Jurgen's going to be at work. He is going to be coaching Song Min Han. <laughs> Poor Sonny. Good Sonny. Good Sonny. <laughs> Can you just imagine his move ball. No can't tactics. Wait to... I can't wait to see him. Challenge yourself at highest level. You have to leave Spurs. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Can you play left back for us? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Fabian Johnson. You the scored 15 Fabian goals Johnson? in the Bundesliga. Just... <laughs> play left back for us. Damn it. Anyway. Green, file one time switch. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's, okay. Let's look it up. Dan, what you got? <laughs> we, we, that, that went down a path. Um, I, I, I'm going to go. Uh, Three to two Germany. Um, I, I I think it's going to be chaotic. I think there will be a lot of goals. Um, I I think Germany will find a way to beat the U.S. here. I just think that their quality uh, in depth kind of surpasses them. Um, but I I'd, I'd love to see um, some good maybe twenty thirty minute stretch. I, I'd love to see a a good stretch here, maybe even a, a ten to fifteen minute spell where the U.S. just pins Germany into their defensive third. And I don't know if that'll ever happen, but like I want to see them kind of take the game to Germany at some spells, even if it means they lose and get caught on the counter. Um, I want to see them try and be the aggressor and be the dominant play guys on the ball. So um, I'd, I'd like to see some goals. I'd like to see something exciting, but I, I still think Germany's quality beats them in the end. All right, let's get out of here with some last words. Uh, Dan, I'll throw it to you first. Any last words, uh, stuff you want to shout out? Yeah, um, if you hear this uh, one first, check out my feature on um, should be comeback uh, player of the year um, winner, Alan Polito, um, uh, for the surgery that he's gone. I've got um, quite a feature worked up uh, talking about his um, recovery process that's going to be coming out. Um, uh, if you're listening on Friday, so it should be already be out um, now at the Kansas City Star. Um, that's my shameless plug. You can find me on Twitter or Blue Sky. Um, Blue Sky is uh, uh, Daniel Sperry KC or Sperry Daniel KC, something like that. Um, and then Twitter or X, you can find me at Sperry Daniel 94. Um, my quick, true last words, um, folks, if you haven't checked out EAFC, um, I am not paid by EA to say this, I'm not trying to go endorse it, but the fact that they have included women's players into their ultimate team mode now makes it a lot of fun. Um, my front four is CC Kaiser, whose special card is really dope. Alex Morgan up top, who finishes every freaking chance you get. Rose Lavelle cannot be knocked off the ball. She just dribbles through everybody. And Trinity Rodman is a speed demon. And her, um, like her, her signature celebration is the most toxic freaking thing on that, uh, on that game. And it is so fun to do to people when you score online. Um, so um, I, I don't know. I don't remember seeing Trin do that <laughs> in a game, but whatever it is, when you do the signature celebration button with her, it looks toxic as heck, but it's wonderful. Um, so that's my front four combined with uh, Kim Min Jai uh, and Theo Hernandez on my back line. It's quite an eclectic matchup of uh, folks on there, but 
I'm really happy that EAFC um, has allowed us to really integrate and like enjoy the stars of the women's game in the same way that we do and follow fringe players, even in the men's game, because they had a really dope FIFA card. Um, like I've never heard of uh, Estefania Banini, who plays for Atletico Madrid. Um, her card is brilliant in EAFC, uh, one of the best defensive midfielders to use in the game. Um, uh, she's like a female Conte uh, in how you play with her on the game, and it's so much fun. So I've really enjoyed that aspect of this year's game, and it makes a, a very wide variety, a whole lot of fun. Um, I can't wait to throw uh, Joe Scally to on my back line. Serginio Dest is my back, right back right now, um, playing with Trinity Rodman and Alex Morgan. So the ability to do that and just have a lot of fun in a lot of different ways um, with the new version of FIFA, a.k.a. EAFC, um, has been really uh, freaking incredible. So um, glad they got that right. Now, if you can just get the rest of the gameplay right, we'll be happy. Rachel, your last words and tell our listeners about Icarus FC. Yes, so I will start with Icarus FC. Gentlemen, are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Are you looking for a completely unique custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price with the motto, any design you want. Seriously, let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. I almost laughed at the end there because I always think about when Dan got me that one time uh, with the uh, <laughs> with the Icarus FC <laughs> ad read when I was looking at my phone. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Um, but what was even more awesome was, oh, again, come on, you hounds. Oh, my gosh. We are the Players' Shield champions and yes i say we because i've been following this team for almost a decade now and it is just so cool to have not even just a successful team but like actually see the city of pittsburgh get behind soccer is has been really nice um my boyfriend luke and i were going to the match we actually got the playoff bundle um so we are all set for you know the road to the championship but we are going on the 21st uh, down at Highmark Stadium, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I don't think we know who we're playing yet. Um, I also could be wrong about that, but um, yeah, I mean, if we keep winning, the road to the championship goes through Pittsburgh, um, and that's really exciting. And um, I know that hockey just started back, and obviously the Penguins have had a lot of success, um, especially like in my lifetime. Um, and then the Steelers are the Steelers, but everyone still loves them and follows them. But um, I really hope that people can get behind this team and and really support them um, as they make their run to the cha- the USL Championship, comma Championship. <laughs> um, but hopefully, hopefully, good things happen, and uh, hopefully, we don't match up against Louisville because we always tend to lose to them. So uh, fingers crossed on that. But uh, go Hounds! And it is a white out on the 21st. So I'm happy about that because my kid is white. <laughs> For my last words, I want to give a shout out to Rapids 2, who are hosting the MLS Next Pro Western Conference final at Dick's Sporting Goods Park on Sunday. They are taking on Austin FC. And with Crown Legacy losing, um, the Rapids are the only conference champion left in the playoffs. And so if they were to win on Sunday, no matter what happens in the Eastern Conference, they would um, also host the final, which would be the day after Decision Day. 
Rapids too has been so fun to watch. They've got a lot of really exciting homegrowns. They're so they have the same endearing and family aspect celebrating each other's wins that we saw from the Rapids first team in 2021. Only they actually get wins. They have a Cabral brother who actually Cabral twin who actually scores goals, unlike Kevin Cabral. And so they've been uh, a little joy in what's been a really, really tough season, a difficult year for the Colorado Rapids as a club when it comes to being competitive in MLS play. And so I'm excited about that. And then also, I don't know if I mentioned this to either of you, but uh, um, Dan, I am officially now a voter for the 2023 end of year awards vote ballot. I got an email from Sahir Abdul Rashid. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but yeah, yeah, so it's it's really nice to see after years of covering the league after years of covering the Colorado Rapids and then just to see in the past where it's been usually their default for the in-market reporting is usually someone with a newspaper connection not a shot at the Kansas City Star Dan but where they just no matter what give it, where they no matter what give it to somebody at the Denver Post even if it's their first year on the beat or they're clearly using it to springboard into another thing or they clearly tweet about how they don't regularly cover the league at all. I should say the current person, Brendan Plone, does not do that whatsoever, but that's been the case in the past. So to see credit be given to an individual who's now doing it for an outlet, an individual and an outlet and an individual at that outlet who's doing something that has meaning in domestically and then not just the under the um, guise, under the uh, pretense of being at a major traditional outlet is just really nice to see. Um, and I'm going to do a lot of work to make sure that I, I honor this opportunity that I now have and then do right by the players, coaches, staff, um, referees, um, and ensuring that there's a meritocracy with that. As someone who has railed against the voting and the process and who people go for in the past, I will still be salty about Robin Frazier not winning coach of the year in 2021. Now I can finally say that I have a vote. And so I'm not going to boo. I'm going to vote because I have a vote. Uh, and then uh, close it out. I want to thank our other sponsor, um, which is Roughneck Scarves. They are an official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, NWSL, and U.S. soccer merchandise. Get your custom scarves for your group, team, or office at roughneckscarves.com. Rate, review, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, folks. Just search LWS Radio or Last Word SC. You'll find us in a month bunch of other great content here at the last word on sports family and then follow us on the socials at last word sc across all social platforms listeners we'll see you next time and hopefully it's not just a preview mls cup because our schedules are freeing up we'll see you then